Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Avatar the Podcast. Comic Edition. Comic Edition. And we are back in the wonderfully loving hands of Gene Yang and Guri Hero. So I'm excited. I cannot wait. I was reading this. And I was just happy to be back in their caring hands and arms and loving arms. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I'm Booster Greg. That's Acorn Bandit. Hello. In case you didn't know, we're covering Smoke and Shadow Part 1, or as we like to call it, The Clandestine Murakage Cabal. That's right. And as always, before we jump into this brand new trilogy, we got some reviews to read. Yes, we do. Our first review comes from Kelly, who writes, Socktacular. Oh, I like it. Have we heard that one yet? I don't think we have. I don't think we have. If we have, I'm sorry, but I love it. That's pretty good. It's really good. (laughs) The first thing Kelly says is, in parentheses, it's written, Greg, so you can read it. Don't blame me. This is how the written language works. (laughs) Kelly goes on to say, this is an amazing podcast that goes into the details of everything Avatar. I love Acorn and Greg's exchanges, and it truly makes my workdays bearable to hear all the puns that Greg comes up with. I'm from Spotify, by the way. Oh, and Spotify is censored. Oh, yeah. Spotify (laughs) with an asterisk. Yes. (laughs) I'm also caught up with you guys. I've been binge listening to you for about three weeks, and I'm finally on the comics. I even bought an Oppa pin. Oh, my God. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. I have him on my travel backpack, so it's almost like I'm carrying Oppa while he goes on my travels instead of the usual him carrying the gang. I did want to bring something to your attention, though. In Boiling Rock, when Zuko is locked in the freezer, Sokka opens it, and the first thing Zuko does is a fire breath and says, I've learned my lesson completely, or something along those lines. He both attributed to Zuko learning from the dragons in the episode prior, but I personally think it was Iroh that he was attributing the lessons to. If you recall back in the Siege of the North, as Zuko was about to sneak in, Iroh says, remember your fire breathing lessons. It can save your life. Zuko never was mindful of his breathing and everything came from rage. So when he finally learned the new proper way of bending, he learned his lesson completely and was finally able to apply Iroh's lessons. Full circle moment that I wanted you guys to geek out about in that episode, but I'm fine if you guys geek out about it now. LOL. Anyways, keep up the great work. It's truly appreciated. I look forward to following you through the comics and into Korra. Heart, 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 heart. P.S. Where is the book three pin at? Eyes. LOL. Love you. Bye. There's a lot to unpack in this review. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot. So first of all, first, 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 Boiling Rock. I want to talk about that very quickly. Yeah. I agree with Kelly to an extent. I agree with both of us to an extent. Here is my rationale. I like that it is also Iroh's lesson. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I think Iroh learned that lesson from the dragons, the firebending masters. So uncle was trying to be like, hey, mind your breathing, a.k.a. calm down. Mm -hmm. Don't pull from rage. But he couldn't really tell Zuko that because that might give him away to others who might be privy. And Zuko probably wouldn't understand at the time. He wouldn't. He wasn't listening to anyone other than his own inner rage at that point anyway. So like, Mm -hmm. really? But I think that Kelly's right, but I think that Zuko wasn't willing to hear, as you so eloquently put, wasn't willing to hear that until after the life that he had led up to that point. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying, Greg, is it's basically a traducan lesson. Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It's a lesson inside of a lesson. Yes. Yes. Like a turducken. Exactly. (laughs) 
I really like that. Book three pin. We're working on it. It's happening. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Soon <laughs> TM. Soon TM. <laughs> We're both very, very busy. As everyone knows, I have a daughter now who is over a year old. And that is surprising to me. Put a hamper on my ability to just sit down and work on things. Who knew? What? Who knew? Having a small human in your house did such things. I didn't know. <laughs> also, we both work full-time jobs, just as everyone remembers. This is something that, mm-hmm. that Acorn and I like to do on the side. It's something for fun. We both love Avatar The Last Airbender. And we wanted to really dive in and see what kind of hidden meanings and fun things that we could pull out. And unexpected to both of us. Like we, when we started this podcast, we thought it was just going to be like us and our friends, our inner circle of (laughs) friends listening. And then all of a sudden we're getting emails and reviews from around the world. So we're working on it. The pin will happen. Also, full disclosure, I have kind of moved away from the pin business as like an active thing. It is still going. But I actually am going to be coming back to it, giving it like a nice little reassessment. And along with that, we'll have new pins. Yeah. It's something I think of all the time, too. I'm like, oh, this might Mm -hmm. be a good pin idea. And then I talk myself out of it. So (laughs) not just for Avatar, just in general. So we'll get there. But thank you so much for being interested and also for giving the review and sharing your, your insight into the Boiling Rock episode. You know, it's reminders like that, especially about the pin, that is nice to hear because now we know that there are people waiting for it and Mm -hmm. it's going to be well-received once we uh, do release it. Yes, I can't wait. Our next review, this is an updated review and normally I don't like reading those, but enough of it was different. And again, there's something we want to reiterate with this review. So this comes Mm -hmm. from our friend, Claire, aka Secret Sea Bear. And Claire writes, really weekly? Hi, Acorn. Hi, Greg. I have been listening to this podcast for several months now, and it has never gotten old. I know I already put a review or two, but I can't stop saying that this pod is amazing. I look through the reviews and review every episode. My only complaint is that you send the episodes out more than a week, usually. Sometimes 12 days to a new episode, sometimes 16, even 22 once. Why is it so inconsistent? I can never wait to listen to my favorite pun bender. Speaking of which, <laughs> your puns are top tier. Winky emoji. Hey, Claire, winky emoji back at you. I don't have a, a pun for that, but I have an emoji. There is something I had an idea for, by the way. Last time I sent a review, I mentioned how I tried and failed to bend all the time. Well, I happen to be a very science-loving person, and I thought maybe science power could make a bending device. I feel like this is not going to end well. Oh, no. Be safe. Be safe. Please be safe. Science! And then a whole bunch of science emojis. Anyway, thanks for reading my written review. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Claire from Mountain View. (laughs) Claire, please don't turn into the next combustion man. Please don't. Don't don't explode yourself. Please don't. Be safe. (laughs) have a science professional, I don't know, with you, I guess. I don't know. Practice science safely. Yes, please. So I wanted to bring this up because Claire did mention our release schedule, which has changed, which we've been pretty upfront with. But, you know, sometimes I know when I listen to podcasts, I kind of just zone out sometimes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, here I am. But that might just be my ADHD. But who knows? Anyways, we have uh, kind of shifted to a bi-weekly schedule when it comes to the comic episodes, and we've missed a deadline here or there, granted. But again, this is something that we kind of do in the spare time that we have. Daughter, full-time job, see previous review for explanations. (laughs) But we do appreciate everyone coming back. And I kind of take this complaint as a huge compliment because Mm -hmm. 
I know that there are people out there. This is going to sound very self-centered, I think, but I'm just going to say it because we've gotten so many reviews in. We know people look forward to this show and it is just heartwarming and it means so, so much to Acorn and I, like you all don't even know. So we appreciate it. Mm -hmm. We apologize that we had to go to a bi-weekly schedule for the comics. We are hoping to go back to weekly for Korra. We do have to see time permits and stuff like that. So fingers crossed we can find the time. But thank you, Claire. We Mm -hmm. appreciate it. That's why... Sometimes we do take breaks as well in between big milestones. So we took like a week off in between the last trilogy and Toph's Metal Bending Academy because it was like, I felt Mm -hmm. like a little milestone there. Yeah. And I think we had stuff going on in life at the time too. But yeah, yeah, the two weeks, the bi-weekly schedule for the comics is really to help us make sure that we're able to continue to deliver content. Mm -hmm. It does take a little bit longer to do the, the comic episodes and to prepare our notes and our synopsis. And all of that. But yes, going into Cora, we really do hope we can go back to a weekly posting schedule because we know how much everyone looks forward to Fridays, Avatar Friday. Wish that mm-hmm. was alliteration, but it's not, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, we will see. But thank you for sharing your thoughts and, and your concerns and your hopes and dreams. So we hope to uh, be able to deliver those in the future. Yes. Our next review comes from Upbeat Sad Boy, who writes, Headcanon. Hey, Booster and Acorn. First off, thank you for taking the time to deep dive into probably one of the most influential and important American animes to be released thus far, and giving fans an extension into the universe. I've been purposefully waiting to write a review in hopes it would be read just before or in time for Korra, because my headcanon is that Korra is the granddaughter of the little villager from the first episode that throws Sokka the spear and says the unforgettable phrase, show no fear. Mm. I can't wait for y'all's dissection into the animated series. Favorite hybrid animal, the parrot iguana that the pirates have. My top five, Iroh, Sokka, the little villager from episode one, Umi, Zuko. And if I were to be a bender, I'd say I'd have to be fire because the utility that it provides. That top oh five my gosh. is eerily similar to mine. Yeah, I was going to say it is very similar. I think if you take the little villager from episode one and throw in Toph or Chong, I think it would be pretty close. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but oh my God, what a headcanon. Yeah. But I love that theory that the little villager in episode one is the ancestor of Korra. I wonder, they probably didn't have that much foresight, but it would be really cool if they could retroactively tie that in. I do like that. I know that Star Wars does that all the time. I feel like so it wouldn't (laughs) be a stretch for Avatar to do something like that, especially with characters that don't have a backstory of their own. There's kind of like extras, so to speak, Mm -hmm. which is basically our fodder for secret podcast. So yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I love that theory. Absolutely. The pirate iguana, I think, gets overlooked quite a bit as a favorite hybrid animal. It is a tough tier it is. hybrid animal. Indeed it is. And firebending. You're a firebender, aren't you, Greg? Uh, yes, I would like to think I'm a firebender, but no, <laughs> we'll see. not practicing, obviously. In your heart. In my heart. That's right. And it's the bending of the future. So yes. that's right. <laughs> we have another resubmitted review. Again, this one was quite a bit different. So we kind of just decided to include it in there from our dear friend, Jack Diedhoud. And they write a written review so you can read it. It is catching on. Yeah. I love all of you. <laughs> Acorn's rolling her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but also smiling. Also smiling. Uh, Hi, Acorn Bandit and Booster Greg. I love this podcast so much and I look forward to every Friday because of you guys. 
Okay, so I realized something. In Sozin's comment, part one and two, when Zuko confronts Iroh, after not seeing him for so long, it reminded me so much of when Sokka confronts his father after he left three years before Avatar The Last Airbender takes place. Also, I am currently listening to Sozin's comment part one and two. When you read this, I will most likely be listening to an episode more recent because logic. So yeah. Anyway, I got so sad when you forgot to talk about when Zuko states that Iroh has to defeat the Father Lord. <laughs> we, do we forget? That's very disappointing. Let me drop the ball on that. Mm -hmm. That's my bad. Man, Ugh. past Acorn and Greg. Oh, wow. What are you thinking? Drop the ball. They're the worst past Acorn and past Greg. Absolutely. <laughs> Past Greg a bit more so. Anyways, which sent me to the moon and back choking on my own laughter. And when you covered the section where the turtle lion gives that speech, just leaves me in awe. Also, do you think the spoiler alert... I'm not going to read the spoiler alert because we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, yes. So I'm not reading That's that. That's stuff. Not reading that. Don't leave Cora spoilers, guys. Please. Thank you for the, the spoiler alert, though. Yes, I appreciate that. Bonus, try to guess how many emojis in this croissant emojis. And I'm going to say 4,322. Looks accurate. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Don't ask why they use croissants, though, because the answer is why um, not. Because they're delicious. They're delicious and buttery. and I want them now. Anyways... The reason why I wanted to kind of include this one is that mirror imagery between Sokka and Zuko. Like, there's always that kind of... Yes. Like, we talk about that a little bit in the series where it's almost like Zuko is Dark Universe version of Sokka, for me anyways. <laughs> I can see the parallels. They're both very similar. Like, they both lost their mothers at early ages, right? Mm -hmm. I guess Zuko, his mom just kind of left, right? We learned that. But mm -hmm. their father is much different, though. But they still had, yeah. like, the sole father figure. But I would argue that even though Sokka's dad was loving, nurturing, and a good person, Hakoda did leave, ultimately. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of an absent dad. Yeah. They both had troubled relationships with their dads. Yeah. So that's super interesting. Just again, that mirror imagery. So check that out. Mm -hmm. Thanks for bringing that up because it just kind of gives you something to chew on a little bit more. Yeah. And I feel like those kinds of parallels are all throughout the Avatar universe and really is what helps make it feel cohesive mm -hmm. because you're seeing similar relationships or similar dynamics or similar themes just through like a different lens. Yes. Agreed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for leaving that review again. Again, I'm going to say this. If a review is there, just leave it there. It's great. We love it. It's awesome. It's not also because I look at the review tick go down for a day and then go back up and I see it got resubmitted. That gives me a heart attack <laughs> every time. So we appreciate it though. Thank you so much. Thank you for the croissants. Too. Yeah. Yum, yum. They're so good. That's a weird sound. I'm never making that again. I'm sorry, everyone. Yum, 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 yum. yum. I did it again. <laughs> Our next review comes from Darth Blizzard, who writes, you guys are amazing. Danny here again. I love listening to your podcast. You guys are hilarious. I love all of your points. And I've sent you guys a couple emails from a different email, but I thought I'd pop over here from Spotify and give you a thousand star review. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Winky face. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you, Darth slash Danny. I got to write this down. I just thought of a new pun, Ooh. but I'm not ready to debut it because if I debut it right now, it would be forced. Okay. And everyone knows you, you don't perfect force time. puns. No, you explain jokes to make them funnier, but yes. you don't force puns. Yeah, you know, that's just logic right there. Our last review for this episode comes from Willia and they write, very good. I genuinely love it. And my last review was a while ago. I don't even remember Willia's last review. So I'm going to update my favorite characters. Also, I love how much is put into Azula. Her personality is very in-depth. But mm -hmm. here's my top five characters. 
Zuko, Azula, Iroh, Momo, and of course, the warrior Sokka with about 17 exclamation marks. Heck yeah. That's a good list. That's a great Everyone's list. lists are so good. I, I have not seen a list where I was like, ah, they're mm-hmm. all good. They're all great. Thank you, everyone, for leaving these wonderful five-star reviews. If we did not read your five-star review on this episode, there's always next episode and the episode after that and the episode after that and the episode after that. So keep on leaving <laughs> them and writing them. And also shout out to all the Spotify. I don't want to say reviewers because they're ratings, but ratings are is not a name or a word in the English language. So <laughs> thank you everyone who's been leaving those five-star ratings. We have, as of recording this, 487. Wow. Oh my gosh. So thank you. We super appreciate that. And we just recently hit over the 250 mark on Apple Podcasts on the US side. That blows my mind. Holy crap. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you all so, so much. And remember, if you want your review read live (laughs) on the show, he says with a smirk on his face, you can do what, Acorn Bandit? Oh my gosh. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. Write your written review with five stars so that we can read it. Because if it's not written, what, everyone? We can't read it. Because that's, that's right. how the written language works. Yes, correct. And now let's jump into Smoke and Shadow Part 1. All seems peaceful at night. Ukano, for those of you who don't remember, is May's father, sleeps soundly until the man hears his name being called. He wakes up, asking who has entered his room. And he is shocked to find himself surrounded by Kimura Kage. The spirits tell the old man that even though he has failed as the governor of New Ozai, they offer him redemption. The spirits continue to tell the former governor that the Fire Nation will never be safe as long as Zuko sits on the throne. The spirits then tell the old man to act now and dispose of the weakling or suffer. But Okano is still a bit puzzled. The Kimura Kage aren't supposed to be real. They are a fable, an old wives' tale, kind of like the boogeyman. A lie that parents tell their children so they behave. No, Ukano, we are the truth, the spirit says as smoke surrounds them and leaves Ukano alone in the dark. Shortly after, May's father rallies the members of the new Ozai society, pleading for the strength and safety of the former Fire Lord's reign. Ukano declares that the time for Ozai loyalists forced underground has come. He tells the mob that his spies have discovered that Zuko is due to arrive at the harbor with a small group, which includes Ursa. Ukano plans to have Zuko assassinated during the trip from the harbor to his palace. In private, a concerned Kylo, remember him, everyone, from Rebound back in Team Avatar Tales? Remember that one? Yeah, flower flower shop shop guy. Yeah, flower shop guy. Kylo asks Ukano permission to speak freely. The young man questions Ukano's call for action which conflicts with his previous claims that at least six months would be necessary to prepare and that Zuko's return to the palace would be heavily guarded. Ukano explains that he has had a premonition and tells the young man that their nation is in grave danger and only Ukano can keep it safe. Safety can only be born of strength. Ukano recites the words of the Kimurakage. What an opening. I know. Right? Jeez. I was not expecting this. After Toph's Metal Bending Academy... (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. It's like we're jumping right back into the drama scene. Mm -hmm. 
It also kind of reminds me of that opening that we got in A Promise where Zuko was awoken by his basically spidey sense getting triggered by a would-be assassin. Yeah. Yeah. Like same kind of thing, waking up in the middle of the night, in your bed, in the Fire Nation, and you have this phantomy presence in your room. What's really cool about the Kamurakage is obviously the comic is named after them because... Kamuri in Japanese means smoke and Kage means shadow. And the most interesting thing I found about them, which I'm sure we're going to explore more in the future, is that the Kamura Kage were created from unused concepts from the show <gasps> that revolved around female warriors from the Fire Nation, basically acting as the Fire Nation equivalent of the Kyoshi warriors. Oh my God. I've never wanted anything more in my life <laughs> I than know. a fight between those two groups now. I know, right? Oh, <laughs> So, so cool. I mean, already they're very imposing. They look very skilled because they yes. disappear without a trace. And of course, these are spirits or the Kamurakage are supposed to be spirits. So if they were spirits from a living thing or a living group or a mm-hmm. living group of people, that is where I think that unused concept of Fire Nation Kyoshi Warriors is coming from. And so I really hope in this series that we're going to learn some more about them. Yes, I absolutely hope so. They also have kind of a, uh, any Batman fans out there, a Court of Owls kind of vibe to them. They have these oh, like very secretive masks, yes. like very emotionless masks. And it's like, it's just cool. And since you already mentioned Rebound, Yang did admit that Rebound, that little comic from Team Avatar Tales, laid the groundwork for Smoke and Shadow. Oh, cool. There we go. Don't you just love when like a side story helps bring this whole new chapter to life in the series? It's very cool. Yes. We're seeing that all over the place with the comics. Yes. In the comics and in other media too, like Star Wars has been going crazy about that kind of stuff, which is really oh, cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Well, anyway, okay. I'm going to stop talking about Star Wars everyone now, I promise. <laughs> we join a much less dramatic scene with Aang and Ki, who is Zuko's sister for everyone who's forgotten. Ki. And they're riding on a flying dolphin fish. Katara and Sokka watch from a nearby Fire Nation cruiser. And Sokka notes that while the two look like they're having fun, Sokka prefers to keep his rides to be a bit more mechanical, with the exception of Appa, of course. Zuko emerges from the ship with Ursa and Norin, telling everyone they are one day away from the main island. Zuko is excited to show Ursa how much has changed in the Fire Nation, but Ursa just kind of brushes her hand against Zuko's scar, commenting on the excited sparkle in his eyes he has had since he was little. Zuko moves his mother's hands away and reminds her that he is the Fire Lord now. Ursa immediately apologizes, and Zuko leaves Ursa and Norin to see what the rest of Team Avatar is up to. Mom, stop embarrassing me. I'm the Fire Lord now, Mom. God. (laughs) As soon as the Fire Lord leaves, Norin asks his wife if she's okay. When Ursa asks why, Norin tells her that her hands are ice cold, just like they were on opening nights at the theater when they were young. She explains that it has been a long time since she's been to the palace and that ultimately she'll be okay. Ursa does then notice Ki and Aang on the flying dolphin fish and begins to panic, pleading for her daughter to come back to the ship. Aang hurriedly airbends himself and Ki back to the ship, promising that Ursa's daughter was never in any real danger. Ursa ignores the words of the Avatar and hugs her daughter tight, telling her that she cannot lose Ki who ultimately ends up screaming and begs to be let go and asks her father to take her downstairs, which Norin abides. Zuko returns and comforts Ursa, who realizes that her change in face is the cause for Ki's outburst. Aang apologizes for worrying Ursa and explains that the dolphin fish 
are amongst the gentlest creatures in the world. Ursa takes a breath and apologizes for her reaction and excuses herself. Oh, I didn't think about that being such an issue because Ursa still keys mom. I know. The fact that her face changed, I didn't think that was going to be an issue and that Key would be scared of her basically, but she is. So that's that's such a realistic little detail. Yeah. And Yang was even saying that he drew from his own anxiety as a parent to write this scene with Ursa. You know, she sees her child out on the ocean on this wild animal and she freaks out and is like, oh my God, my child, bring her back. And so that was drawn from inspiration as being kind of an overprotective parent. But yeah, this is such an interesting scene because it shows a lot more of their dynamics post the search. I do like that too. That little detail drawing from real life. The other thing is I remember for me personally, I don't know if anyone else ever had this. This is just me being weird. Whenever I knew an adult that got a haircut, I immediately like was untrusting of them because <laughs> they looked different. It was like a drastically different haircut. Like I'd be like, who are you? And that experience, I forgot about it, to be honest with you. And that experience kind of like came flooding back when I was reading this. And I was like, oh, it's like a haircut, but a whole yeah. person change. Mm-hmm. Yikes. I really like that little detail where Key is just like untrusting of her own mother at this point, which hopefully takes her just a little bit of time to get used to the new old new face, I guess is mm-hmm. what it would be. But Yeah, the new old face. <laughs> the new old face. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But poor Ursa. Yeah, poor Ursa. Oh, can you imagine? She goes through this whole adventure slash journey slash becoming to get her old face back, to meet this big spirit, to be reunited with her son. And she's going back to the Fire Nation. And now her second child is afraid of her. That just must be a lot of emotion for her to be dealing with right now. It's like too much for one person. Yeah, which makes her reactions in this comic like super realistic. Yeah, it's like at first it seems kind of erratic and it seems kind of like sudden and unwarranted. But the more you kind of start pulling at this thread, the more you're like, well been through quite a bit over the past couple weeks alone, it feels like. Mm -hmm. So this all makes a lot of sense. Well, we're going to take a break from Ursa for a moment, and we're going to go visit Tai Lee as she visits Mira's flower shop, which is again from Rebound, and is quite happy to see Michi and Tom Tom there. She asks if Ukano is there with them, and Michi quietly, by the way, Michi is May's mom, Mm -hmm. quietly tells the Kyoshi warrior, that Ukano is not there. She goes on to explain that at the end of the war, things were kind of difficult on their marriage and that Michi realized Ukano cared more about politics than the safety of his own children. So they came to the flower shop on their own. Tylee offers her condolences, but May's mother tells her that living with Mira has been very pleasant and Mira adds that she appreciates the company. I like this setup right here. I like it because we're going to learn that what Michi's perception of Ukano was is not entirely accurate. And I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that there's this like he 110% gave off that vibe. I'm sure of like, I only care about politics, like screw my family. Like we have to get Ozai back so we can get our honor back we can get our old lives back. We can go back to that prestige that we had. We're there. Mm-hmm. But I think that it goes a little deeper than that. I feel like, cause I, there can't be another bad dad out there. That's just bad without having a third dimension to him. That's not Ozai or related to Ozai in some way. <laughs> uh-huh. I'd refuse to believe that. I feel like, You can only have like one and then that's it. But I think where Ukano might be coming from is that he wants to provide the best possible life for his family at whatever the cost is. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So Michi thinks that he's choosing politics over his family, but he's really doing certain things in the political sphere for his family. Yes. That's what I think anyways. Being a a father myself, I'm 100% biased. This is all subjective. Absolutely. But that's kind of where I think, because he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy throughout this book for Mm -hmm. me personally. He's not trying to like exterminate an entire nation of people. Mm -hmm. He's just trying to provide his family I think with the best possible life and maybe scratching his own itch for some sort of ranking in the world, bettering off himself a little bit. Sure. Absolutely. Like we all want to better off ourselves, right? We all want to kind of like live a certain kind of life. So Mm -hmm. I can't really fault him. It makes him very human and it makes their marriage very real for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting coming on the tail end of the last scene with the royal family to see kind of the fallout of the events from the end of the animated series and also some of the things that we've seen in the comics so far to Mm. watch all these families reacting and just kind of acclimating to their new lives. The fact that Michi and her family are living with her sister in the Fire Nation and not with any other political family or or whatever. It's just interesting to see them in this new environment. Also, the panels in this scene are very reminiscent from the Rebound comic a couple of details that Gurihiro was pointing out is the fact that they did include a couple of bonsai plants in the oh. background there to make sure that it's more cohesively within the Avatar universe. And also there's a little panel there where Michi is standing in front of a flower arrangement and they specifically designed it to be like Ikebana, which is a Japanese style of floral arrangement. So little mm. Easter eggs there in the scene that I really appreciated once I looked a little closer. Yeah, it's really cool. I love those little tiny details. Everyone knows that. What I, I keep on saying that. Guys, everyone. Hey, people. I love little tiny details. <laughs> you all know that. It's not, the tiny details are the best. They really are the best. They just reward you for paying attention. I do like, as you pointed out too, it just blows my mind. The mirror imagery again. Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. At least thus far. At least the saga of Aang has been just laced with mirror imagery. I would argue that's probably like the overall message is that there's two halves to the same coin, always. Mm-hmm. We've not experienced, I want to say, a full story without that. Even Toph's yep. Metal Bending Academy kind of had that mm-hmm. in a couple different ways with Toph and Chung and with Toph and I can't remember his name now, but the Lava Bender. Yeah, Sun. Sun, thank you. Ugh. Greg, his name was Sun, the Lava Bender, the Fire. Remember the <laughs> Earth Bender? I could do Fire. His name was Sun. Thanks. Uh-huh. Okay, back into the story. After Tom Tom gets scolded for trying to eat some flowers, which is totally a kid thing, which I'm learning mm-hmm. now. <laughs> <laughs> and the flowers are apparently delicious. May enters the room. Tylee hugs her friend, and May reminds Tylee that she is still not a fan of hugs, even though it's been a little while since they saw each other. The two leave to go to a nearby tea shop for some quote-unquote girl talk. Michi tells May to come back before closing time, but Mira tells her to stay out as long as she wants. Mira tells Michi to let May have some fun since she has seemed a bit down lately. Michi assures Mira that May is only just being May. (laughs) May, the angsty teen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which like, maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know. I can't tell if if it's just her being her or if there's an actual reason than just being angsty. Mm-hmm. At the tea shop, May asks Tylee why she is constantly looking around. Tylee tells May that when Zuko went searching for his mother, he took Azula with him. May is appalled at this development and states that Zuko is turning more and more into his father. 
Tylee assures her friend that it was not like that, that it has been difficult for her maintaining a peaceful aura when she expects Azula to come out of nowhere basically all the time. Mm, That's an interesting comment for me to make, thinking that Zuko trusting or at least allying himself with his sister is a sign that he's turning into his father because of their twisted relationship. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I think it's a a sign that May is emotionally distanced from Zuko right now because they have been broken up and because in a second, we're going to see that she is sort of consorting with another guy. Mm -hmm. I don't think she really has feelings for him consciously, but she is kind of using him as like a a fake boyfriend. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's just a sign that she doesn't trust Zuko right now. Yeah, and I think that's the easy dig at Zuko too. You don't like what he's doing? You're just like your father. Yeah. <laughs> How could you? You're just like Ozai. He like mm-hmm. sneezes and doesn't excuse himself. You're just like Ozai. How could you? <laughs> he burps in public. Ozai would do the same thing. <laughs> he hires a Yuyan archer to go kill someone. And then when he doesn't, he disgraces him. He fires him only to be joining him to the rough rhinos. You're just like your father. <laughs> yep. I love Vakir. Any moment. Any moment I can bring up Vakir if I can even force uh-huh. it. It's great. Okay. So Tylee changes the subject and asks if May has been dating anyone. May reveals that she went on a date with Kylo during the events of Rebound. Tylee finds it romantic and asks if Kylo is cute. And May reveals that the boy has been sent by her father to recruit her into the new Ozai society. Notice she didn't answer the question, though. Nope. (laughs) This, of course, led May to revealing the group's existence to her mother which is why she left Ukano and moved in with Mira. May admits that Kylo has been visiting her in secret and explains that she is using Kylo to stop her father from hurting Zuko as a loyal Fire Nation citizen and nothing more. She tells Tylee that the new Ozai society has big plans for the following day when Zuko returns. I almost said when Ozai returns. That's just something Ozai would do. <laughs> May wants Tylee to get a read on him to make sure Kylo is telling the truth. Kylo quietly enters the tea shop with his hood on and May completely changes her tone and just overall vibe and calls a young man, babe. <laughs> hey, babe. Hey, babe. Tylee is a bit confused at the personality shift. A bit. She bug eyes, <laughs> mouth opens, eyebrows <laughs> skew up. She goes, what? what? Babe? In my mind, too, May's voice goes up like three octaves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back on the Fire Nation cruiser, Aang, Katara, and Sokka pack up Appa and take off, but not before Zuko tries to stop them. Katara explains that being back to the city will bring up many things for all of them, things being baggage. And Aang says that they need to figure it all out as a family. Sokka points out that the rest of Team Avatar would just be in the way. Katara notes that it would be an opportunity for bonding time. Mm-hmm. Zuko thanks them for their help as they take off into the night sky. Aang yells down that they will meet again in about a week during Yu Dao's inaugural celebration. Zuko notices Ursa watching the water with tears running down her face. He asks if she's okay, and she tells the Fire Lord that she is fine. Mm. Liar! So- Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. First <laughs> of all, liar. Second of all, there is a theory mm-hmm. or a commentary that says this comic takes place during the rift. Interesting. Yeah. So this is the point where Aang, Katara, and Sokka leave 
and they're going to go do the ripped stuff with Toph and everything while this is taking place in the Fire Nation. Okay, I can get behind that. Yeah, the only thing I'm unsure about is when... Have we seen the Yudao inaugural celebration yet? Because I don't think we have. We've seen so many celebrations. I'm celebrationed <laughs> out at this point. Uh-huh. There's always a celebration going on after Zuko becomes Fire Fire Lord, more like Party Lord, am I right? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, but if that's the case, then that's really cool to think about because we've commented a couple times how the comics shift up our cast. So Toph's missing for a while and mm-hmm. then Azula's into the picture and then it's just... Team Avatar sans Zuko, and now we're focusing back on Zuko's family. So it's cool to think about there being lined up timelines across the comics and happening at the same time. Yeah. And again, you're paying attention, you'll hit it. If you're not, you don't lose anything, really. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you a little like secret wish that I have right now? Oh, yes. So no one tell me, obviously, but I really hope that we don't see Azula again until Imbalance. Because how perfect of a title would that be for an Azula-centric story? A thousand percent. We'll see what happens. I have a feeling (laughs) she's going to show up in this. I don't know, just for some reason. But I really just want her to show up in in Imbalance. Yeah, it's the royal family reunion in the Fire Nation. So she's probably going to show up. If not, that would be perfect. All right. Well, okay. We are going to go back to the tea shop where Kylo finishes reporting on the new Ozai Society's plan. May, kind of condescendedly, commends him on his courage. She's like, oh, you're so brave and handsome and strong. She doesn't say it like that, but like that's kind of overall vibe that she's giving off. When Ty Lee asks him why he would risk getting caught by the society, he says, you just don't meet someone like May every day. Something Ty Lee agrees with. She's like, mm-hmm, and kind of like shoots the dirty look <laughs> Kylo thanks May for believing him and leaves. May cheerfully says her goodbye. And as soon as he's out of earshot, turns back to Ty Lee and becomes May-like again. That's the only way I can describe it. She becomes herself again. Yeah, her face falls. Yes. She gets that like heavy-lidded eyes, no smile, like straight-faced. <laughs> <laughs> Tylee immediately disapproves of stringing the young man along for her own reasons. May points out that this is exactly what Kylo did to her when they first met, and at least she is doing this for a good cause. Tylee tells her that Kylo has a good aura, and she thinks he's being truthful which is more than she can say about her friend right now. Hmm. Hmm. I don't remember what I said about Kylo when we first met him. I'm assuming I didn't like him. Someone will probably be like, Greg, you didn't like him. I like him now. And Ty Lee likes him. So I feel somewhat justified in this. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Miss Aura's vetted him and says, no, he's good people. He's good. He's good peeps. And aura reading, in my opinion, is more accurate than truth detecting Mm, mm -hmm. or lie detecting. I don't know, whatever Toph does. Oh, yeah? You think so? Yeah, because you can mask your heartbeat, but you have to be truly evil to like mask your aura, I feel like. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because you can be like Azula and bold-faced lie in front of Toph and pass. Yes. But you can't control your aura. Right. And we all know that May and Ty Lee were scared of Azula that entire time. So Mm -hmm. Ty Lee knew that she probably had a not great aura. It might have been a conflicting aura now that I'm kind of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that would be more in lines for what Bryk have to say about Azula and her like natural state. You know, there's no natural good or natural bad. That's basically what Avatar The Last Airbender has also been about. There's Mm -hmm. a gray area in there a lot. Yeah. And I think that Azula is shifting back and forth right now, which is putting her in the gray. Mm -hmm. 
Speaking of shades of gray, what May's doing right now is kind of uh, gray-esque. It's gray towards dark right there. Just (laughs) bringing a poor guy along. Yep. Using a poor guy. I mean, she has a point from her perspective. She was strung along by him when she first met him. And now she's basically doing the same thing and not hiding it very well. And he's just hook, line, and sinker going for it. I will argue, and this is going to surprise no one, on behalf of Kylo, because he's my new best friend, apparently, (laughs) that she has been doing it for longer and she's putting him in imminent danger. Right. Where from his perspective... He was returning her to her father. Yeah, for one night. For one night. One job. Yeah. That's true, yeah. And that's where I think she's justifying her actions by saying she's doing it for the good of the nation. She's Agreed. doing it for the good of the, the royal family. And that's why it's like this whole this yeah. whole mission. Again, gray area, right? Like they're both yeah. operating in this gray area. Neither were right, neither. Or I think they're both wrong. But as my mom says, two wrongs don't make a right. But I say they mm-hmm. definitely make a left. But um, but um, bum, chum. <laughs> Ursa and Zuko share a moment back at the ship. Ursa does not want to worry her son, but he sees through the fake smile and tells his mother that he will come around and see that she is the same person on the inside, regardless of her outward appearance. Ursa says that she knows this, but is actually worried about Azula, and she hopes that her other daughter is safe warm and happy. Zuko tells his mother that they did everything they could to find his sister for weeks. Zuko does not believe that Azula wants to be found, but he is sure that she is safe. If nothing else, she knows how to survive. Happy though? I don't even know what that would mean for her. Zuko tells his mother. Mm. Just had a thought popped in as I was reading that. This whole situation with Ursa and Kiyi is also kind of reminiscent of I Kill Giants. Have you read that or seen the movie? No, I don't think so. I don't want to spoil it. It's very good. Please read it. It's so good. It's right up your alley, I feel like. It's about, let's call her fantastical little girl in modern day. Very Lilo and Stitch-like. But she has a relationship with her mother that seems very kind of similar to this. I don't want to, I really, I can't say it without spoiling it, but just trust me, everyone read it. It's so freaking (laughs) good. It's from the same team of Man of Action Studios, which is Ben 10 and all that, but it's very heartwarming. It's so good. Please read it. Cool. Yeah. But it reminds me of kind of this dynamic between the two. Ursa says they should not be so dour on the eve of his homecoming and that she's eager to see him in his element. That, that. Yeah. (laughs) because fire is an element everyone okay Zuko is startled by the coldness of her hand and proceeds to take her below deck the two are stopped by a messenger hawk from the Kyoshi warriors as Zuko reads a look of shock washes over his face Ursa asks if something is wrong and Zuko quickly turns his head and smiles it is nothing he cannot handle he escorts his mother to the door that leads below deck and assures her that he is going to do everything in his power to make sure that everyone is safe, especially Kii. Mm. You know, after spending so long with Team Avatar, I was a little bit startled when the messenger hawk arrived because I was like, oh no, they've been found. Yeah. But then I forgot that it's Zuko. He's the Fire Lord. Yeah. He gets messages. <laughs> it's normal. I am never going to stop writing prints when describing Zuko in, in these notes. I catch myself oh, and I, I get that. Oh, man. Yep. Because yeah, I don't like to say Zuko says this, Zuko says that. Like, you know, I like to switch it up a little bit. So I'll be mm-hmm. the prince, the fire prince. And I'm like, nope, he's fire lord now. Not anymore. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. I hope that changes at some point. But I feel like at this point, it's probably not. Nah. Fire lord for life. Fire lord or prince for life for me. That's what it is. Uh-huh. 
I'm going to see him in like Korra, I feel like, as like an old man and be like, hey, Prince Zig, uh, damn it. <laughs> yep. The next day, Ursa looks through a telescope and asks if they are on the right course. Zuko reveals that there's been a slight change of plans and that he has arranged for friends to meet them. Norin is surprised as a submarine emerges from the water. Iroh pops out of the submarine's hatch, greeting and then hugging his nephew. Iroh bows his head to Ursa and immediately apologizes for the pain and suffering his family has caused her. Without missing a beat, Ursa hugs Iroh instead and tells him that his presence always gave her hope. How nice. Zuko helps Suki on board and thanks her for getting his plan in motion with such short notice. They go over the plan quickly, which has Suki escorting Zuko and his family through a hidden route while a decoy travels through the main road. Iroh immediately volunteered to be his decoy, and Zuko is kind of doubtful of this whole plan since the two don't look anything alike. But Iroh assures the crowd that they will only see his hand waving, and we kind of see him a little bit later actually waving, and he kind of asks people around and being like, is this the appropriate amount of angst? It's kind of mm-hmm. funny. He takes a little like dig at his nephew <laughs> because he's been practicing all morning. He takes his job seriously. Yep. Suki says they should get going, and Key, noting how pretty Suki is, asks if Zuko agrees, which he does. Zuko points out the plank is narrow and asks if Ki wants to take her mother's hand. Ki tells her half-brother that she is old enough to walk on her own. When Zuko tries to make it seem like Ursa might be scared, as she has never been on board a submarine before, his half-sister says it's not her problem. Zuko then asks if she would do it as a favor to him, and she reluctantly agrees. As soon as everyone enters the sub, they embark on their quest. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of cute how she's like little girl style. Like, that's her problem. She's not a big girl. Yeah. I'm a big girl. I'm fine. I don't care (laughs) that you think I'm afraid of my mother now because she looks completely different. I'm Uh not. I'm a big, brave little girl. The cruiser arrives on the harbor and the crowd welcomes the royal family back to the Fire Nation. A caravan escorted by soldiers on kimono rhinos and ostrich horses makes its way through the crowd. As Iroh waves to the window, a soldier accompanying him asks why he is so sullen and brutish and emo looking. (laughs) Iroh explains that method acting has always worked best for him. A group of Kyoshi warriors, also on Kimono Rhinos, spot the submarine. Zuko and his family enter a caravan and begin their journey in secret elsewhere. How sneaky. They're like basically getting onto the Fire Nation island, the main island from this like little cove mm-hmm. or something. Kind of reminds me of the Kyoshi Island a little bit. Kind of, yeah. I from that the, too. the look of it, it has like lots of trees and stuff on the cliffs. But um, this submarine, we haven't talked about it yet, but this submarine looks really interesting. I know Gurhiru was saying that designing the submarine was a little awkward because there weren't very many references inside the Avatar world. It's basically just the one submarine that we saw during the Day of the Black Sun. I was right? going to say, it looked very similar to that, yeah. Yeah, very similar to that. But they did know it was kind of difficult to come up with something that was like similar, but different. And it almost reminds me of like this weird Earth Kingdom camo submarine type of deal. Interesting. I'm wondering why they even tried to like make it different at all. I feel like the submarines would still be in commission at that point. Yeah, that was my thought too. It's only been a couple, maybe up to a year. I would say no more than a year. Maybe mm-hmm. like if you want to say more than a year, like a speckle more than a year, but like yeah. not super long time. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, no, maybe because there's that year jump in the first three books that we read. Oh, true. Yep. So, so a year and change. If you want to split hairs, maybe two at the most, but I don't think that's enough for a submarine to go in disrepair. Yeah. And to like completely change yeah. its, its look. Yeah. It is still the Earth Kingdom. So I don't know. Fair. 
On a watchtower, Tai Lee tells Mei that despite loving being a Kyoshi warrior, the outfit can be a bit suffocating at times. Mei comments that Sozin knew what he was doing when he designed these uh, switchbacks, and Mei realizes that attacking the most heavily fortified road in the Fire Nation in broad daylight is probably a stupid plan. Mm -hmm. And her father is many things, but he is not stupid. She then realizes that Kylo lied to them. Uh Uh-oh. No, I was just standing up for you, pal. How could you? Well, Tylee (laughs) reminds May that he wasn't the only one being completely fake at the tea shop. And May verbally rolls her eyes. Another Kyoshi warrior interrupts the argument by saying that the caravan is approaching. Tylee notices members of the new Ozai Society on a higher ledge. Both Tylee and May leap from the watchtower. Tylee, convinced of Kylo's good aura, May simply stating that she does not believe in auras. The new Ozai Society attacks, asking how the guards can defend Zuko, the imposter. May, Tylee, and the Kyoshi warriors make short work of the attack, and Iroh pops out of the caravan, ready for battle, only to discover their enemies have already been dealt with. <laughs> He praises them on their quick work and May notes that it was too quick. Suspicious of the low number of attackers sent when she knows her father has amassed an army, May tries to question one of the attackers. After the attacker reveals absolutely nothing, Kylie notices Suki's distress flare. So much for Kylo's good aura, May says sarcastically. Oh boy. So they were smarter than May and Tylee were expecting. Agreed. Yes. I do like, and we all know this about Iroh, he's not very proud, but I like that reminder of like, he's like, oh, I didn't have to do it. Good work, everyone. Good go team. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because we know he could have taken them all on by himself. He broke himself out of a prison that was supposed to be like near impenetrable, right? Like he Mm -hmm. did that. He's powerful. We know this, but he doesn't use that power unless he has to. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice. Yeah. And I bet he was, after being the interim Fire Lord, I bet he was really ready to like stretch his skills, get a little warmed up, knock some heads together with fire bending. And then he was disappointed. I have a question for you, though. Uh Uh-huh. Been at most two years since those events happened. Do you think he's kept himself in shape or do you think he went right back to being Iroh season one shape? I think he went right back. I do yeah, too. I think he's on the decline. I think let's so say. too. But yeah. even the, the decline is very impressive yes. for anyone, right? We rejoin Zuko's caravan as it gets ambushed by falling trees. Zuko notices that there are explosives that are taped to the trees that are calling them to, well, fall down. Several more explosions go off, causing the trees to fall all around them, trapping the caravan. Several new Ozai Society members close in on them, exclaiming, Free Fire Lord Ozai! Power to the Fire Nation! Zuko, Suki, and two other Kyoshi warriors prepare to fight. Zuko turns and tells Ursa and the others to stay put. Ursa tells Kihi not to be scared, assuring her of Zuko's strength. But Zuko's half-sister is not scared and protests against Ursa's cold hands. There has to be something more to these cold hands than just her being afraid. I wonder, because it also occurred to me that if Kihi is having this kind of reaction to her mother's cold hands, then that tells me her mother didn't have cold hands when she had the different face and identity. Right. This is an Ursa thing, not a Ursa version 2 thing. Right. So I don't know. So weird. I wonder. You think it's a side effect of getting reverted back to a rolled face? Well, if it was an Ursa thing before, because Egan was talking about that being a thing that they experienced when she was an actor Mm -hmm. back when they were teenagers. 
it must be a her kind of thing. I don't know. But you're right. It's what? This is the fourth reference or something to Cold Hands. Yeah, so they it keep has on to be something more. But like, yeah. I'm going to say this. I think it's something more on the spirit side because these are all spirit things, right? Right. But I would super respect this book, the series of books more if it was a physiological thing, like anxiety or something like that. That because mm-hmm. she was never anxious when, you know, she had her old new face versus her new yes. old face. Like, yes, I don't know. <laughs> yep. When she wasn't Ursa, she was never nervous for her life or anyone else's life. She lived a very quiet life with yep. her childhood love. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and now she's encountering her trauma. Right. Like, head on. Yep. She's not really hesitating. She could very well just like disappear again. We all know she knows how to disappear, but she's not. So, I think it's something spiritual related, but I would super respect the book if they just made it like this is a natural human thing that's happening to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And and currently it looks like it's the latter, but I'm sure there's going to be some sort of surprise in store for us. There almost always is, isn't there? Yep. A masked Ukano demands Zuko return the throne to Ozai peacefully. And if he does, his family will not be harmed. Zuko calls this request ridiculous and attacks, impressing Kiyi with his firebending, while Suki sends out a distress flare. Zuko and the Kyoshi warriors fight the ambushers, but the team find themselves bound by bolas. Keeping to his word, Okano commands the new Ozai society to attack Zuko's family. Kylo realizes how wrong this whole situation is and unmasks himself and frees Zuko from the bola, telling him to go save his family. Zuko is a bit confused, but doesn't waste another second and goes back on the attack. By the way, the flare that Suki sends up may entirely and all them see. Yep, same flare. Okano tells Kylo that he has known of the young man's betrayal and that made him useful to May's father. Kylo introduces himself to Zuko, saying that they have a mutual friend. Mutual girlfriend is more like it. <laughs> Zuko asks who, and Kylo points to May as she and more Kyoshi warriors, as well as Tai Lee and Iroh, drop from a hot air balloon. As the fight continues, Zuko stands up for Kylo when May yells that he couldn't be trusted, telling his ex-girlfriend that Kylo helped him save his family. The battle wages on, and when it looks like Zuko's family might have been gravely injured, he rushes toward the skewered caravan. Fortunately, everyone is okay, but Zuko finds himself surrounded. Elsewhere on the battlefield, May and Kylo defend themselves against the society. While Kylo tries to apologize to May, she admits that not only did her father play him for a patsy, but she did as well. Kylo gets tackled off the branch that they were balancing on, and Ukano takes the opportunity to try to talk to his daughter. On the other side of the battlefield with Zuko, the new Ozai Society firebenders all attack the Fire Lord and the carriage at once. Zuko jumps on top of the caravan, taking the incoming fire and turns it into a gigantic column of dragon-like multicolored fire. We see the firebending master's lessons at work here, and it's so cool. My favorite part of the whole comic. So good. As the firebenders flee, because why wouldn't you at that point, Zuko offers the new Ozai society an ultimatum. Surrender now or face his wrath. Ukano tells Mei everything he has done was out of love for his country. He then accuses Zuko of compromising the Fire Nation's strength and appeasing the Avatar, using the recent events of the promise as evidence. Ukano tells his daughter that he misses his family and wants his quiet life back. Unfortunately, this cannot happen so long as Zuko sits on the throne. May asks if Zuko is such a weakling, why are Ukano's followers either surrendering or fleeing? And her father says that this only reinforces his point. 
Zuko has no problem strong arming his own people and how he so easily pushes friends and family away. If you don't think there's any truth in what I'm saying, go ahead, arrest me, the old man tells his daughter. And for the first time, I'm going to say since Boiling Rock, her eyes soften. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is the best thing he could have said to mm-hmm. me right now, who is not a fan of Zico Mm-mm. currently. <laughs> Shortly after, May finds her babe, quote unquote, limping back to Capital City. They have a cute back and forth about how five to 10 miles isn't that far to walk for Kylo in his condition. And May insists that he catch a ride on the airship. When he asks where her father went, May looks off into the distance and tells the young man that he just got away. She then tells Kylo that she believes him when he says that Ukano planted the lie with him and that he knew about the double cross. So in other words, he's like, it wasn't my fault. She's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, (laughs) everyone was playing everyone. Yeah. And unfortunately, Kylo is not the most intelligent in the group of everyone that was playing this game of Taisho. So (laughs) Zuko and his family arrive at the palace where he thanks the Kyoshi warriors for their protection. Zuko asks about May and Suki says she went home. Zuko blushes asking Suki if she knows where May's home currently is. Suki tells him that she does know and that if he wants to visit May, to let her know. And Zuko smiles. I think I hate this. 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 I hate it. What? I think there's rumblings of a shipping between Suki and Zuko happening. I was wondering about that. I I can't tell. And if so, then yeah, I hate it too. Because Sokka's still around and they're still together and we haven't been told otherwise. Yes. So, but there's like, isn't she so cute, big brother? And he's like, yeah, I guess. (sighs) Yep. And now there's this whole thing. Uh, Oh, don't do it to me, Yang. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. Zuko welcomes his family to the palace and Kii is excited and wants to explore it right away. Norn asks if she does not want to rest and recover from their dramatic afternoon first. But his daughter tells Norin that she knew that Zuzu would keep them safe. So she was never worried. (laughs) Zuko's a bit concerned, I guess you would say, about Key using this nickname. But he does admit that it sounds much better coming from her than it does coming from Azula. Yeah. Both Zuko and Ursa were like, what? (laughs) Zuzu? Where did that come from? Who taught her that? Oh, man. And then we all, like for me anyways, I don't know if this happened to anyone else, but for me, it brought me back to that small cottage that they had. And Kiyi did have quite some bonding time with Azula. Yep, that's true. She probably heard it from her then or just came up with it herself as kids do. My headcanon for this is that Kiyi doesn't recognize what's broken in Azula because she's so young Mm -hmm. and doesn't understand that, but sees this powerful firebending woman like a master prodigy and immediately kind of idolizes her. Mm-hmm. I can see that. For all of like the good that she sees in Azula because she doesn't see any of the bad. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I like that. Ursa finds herself hesitating for a moment before taking her first step into the palace. Zuko notices the hesitation but chalks it up to being tired from the attack. When Zuko offers his mother her old room, she refuses it and tells him that one of the guests' room will be just fine. With perfect timing, as always, Iroh walks up to his nephew. Zuko asks if he thinks Ursa will be okay. Time heals all wounds, the Dragon of the West says with a smile. Iroh recognizes that something else is bothering Zuko and asks him about it. Zuko explains that the new Ozai society is different from the opposition he 
has had in the past since they are a bit more serious. He asks Iroh to represent him in Yu Dao's inauguration ceremony, allowing him to stay to deal with this matter. Iroh agrees, saying he was just about to suggest the same and praises Zuko on his growing wisdom. Because Iroh's like, that was my idea. Hey, you, you're thinking like me now. You're getting smart. I don't know why he's turned to an old <laughs> Jewish man, but he is. I think now reading this and thinking about what we're talking about earlier, I think that in the rift, that was the inauguration ceremony that we saw. So it's not a bunch of different ceremonies going on. It's just one that's spread out over multiple books because he was there on behalf of Zuko and everyone was like, oh, where's Zuko? And he was like, oh, he's dealing with things. And it's coming back to me now. There it is. You and I were discussing, oh yeah, he's like hanging out with his mom, which is super important and trying to get her reacclimated. But he's really dealing with the boogeyman. Uh Uh-huh. Makes sense. Okay. So they are happening at the same time. Cool. Ursa walks through the palace, thinking to herself that Ozai is no longer there, that Zuko is in charge, and that she and her family are safe. Still, she is distressed when she looks up to see Ozai's portrait hanging in the royal gallery. And it's huge, everyone. Like, everyone remembers those banners from earlier. Oh, yeah. Huge. Mm -hmm. Like, 10 people tall. And I feel like his is particularly more ornate than the others. It's, like, fancier. His has more detail because he is surrounded by fire and there's all this, like, flickery flame kind of detail around his clothes and his body. Yeah. Elsewhere, Ukano also looks at Ozai's official portrait and is visited by the Kamurakage, who declare him to have failed in redeeming himself and that he must suffer. Ukano begs for one more month to have Zuko removed from the throne. The Kamurakage grant him the extension, warning him as they vanish that if he fails, he will lose all that is dear to him. We jump forward a month and we learn that May and Kylo are now officially, unofficially, officially dating. May wanted to wait until Kylo's leg was fully healed because she still didn't really trust him. She couldn't bring herself to trust him because she can't make sense of why he would betray the new Ozai society, which is rightfully so. He tells May, as he has so many times before, that it is all because of her. And this is what May cannot make any sense of. Kylo tells May that he lost his parents when he was young. And since then, he's just kind of bounced from place to place. He joined the society because he just wanted to belong somewhere and he couldn't really care less about all the political stuff. And now, May asks, meeting you made me realize that I don't want to belong to something anymore. I want to belong to someone, he responds. And the two give Sokka the Oogies if you were there. <laughs> and kiss. And kiss. The sound of May's mother screaming interrupts the moment as Kylo points out the retreating Kamorakage on the rooftop. May tries to stop them by throwing daggers at them, but misses. May jumps on the rooftop and demands to know what they want. The Kamorakage reveal Tom Tom in their arms and tell her that they have what they want and disappear into smoke. Oh, no. And disappear into smoke and shadows. <laughs> dun, dun, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. In the flower shop, Michi and Mira plead for an officer to get Tom Tom back. The officer asks May for a description of the attacker, and May identifies them as the Kamorakage, spirits from legend that inhabited the mountains of the capital who snatch misbehaving children in the middle of the night. Michi tells her that the Kamorakage are just a story that their parents tell children that she herself heard the story from her parents, certain that they cannot be real. Having heard what happened to Tom Tom, Zuko arrives, concluding that the Kamorakage are real. Michi is grateful for the Fire Lord's concern. However, Zuko tells the family that if they truly are going to be up against spirits, they will need the help of the Avatar. 
the dun, dun, dun. end. <laughs> what an emotional roller coaster. Seriously. It was super fast paced too. So much happening everywhere all at once. Yeah. At times for me, it was kind of hard to keep up. I was like, wait, uh-huh. where are we? Where are we? What group is this? What is going on? But hopefully everyone enjoyed that episode. I know I am so happy. I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand times. I'm so happy to be back in the loving, caring arms of Yang and Gertie Hiru because yes. it just feels like coming home is what it really feels like. It's so cool. It does. I can't wait for book number two. I'm so excited. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know where this is going to go. Like, I don't obviously, there's spirits involved. Aang is going to come back. Like... I feel like they're not really spirits. That's just my gut reaction is they're not really spirits, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm on the fence because no one seems to be able to touch them. Like even May, her, her daggers yeah, went straight right through. through them. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this would be a good bait and switch because the books have been so spirit centric mm-hmm. and they didn't present that way at first, right? And they just yeah. evolved into it. So this would be a cool way to flip it on its head, I think, and be like, hey, look, this is spirit centric. Just kidding. Gotcha. They're just <laughs> really good ninjas. Yeah. So without further ado, I need to know who is your MVP of this book? Uh, I'm torn. Yeah? Yeah, I have to. Okay. For different reasons. Okay. I think the ultimate MVP is going to be Kylo because, man, this kid, he really is one of those kids that has a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. Even though he's in all these tough situations with bad people, he keeps making the right decision. Yeah. Even at the end where he was talking about how he was originally looking for a place to belong and that's why he joined the new Ozai Society, he ultimately betrayed them twice. Mm-hmm. Once in Rebound and another time in this comic. So he just keeps doing the right thing, keeps wanting to be a good person. And I think because of that, he was able to help the rest of the cast, including May, and will probably continue to help them in the next couple of books when it comes to the new Ozai Society. So I'd say he's probably the main MVP, but I do want to give a shout out to Ursa Mm -hmm. for confronting her trauma and coming back to the capital, going to the royal palace and basically facing her past just so bravely. Yeah. It's really moving to see her so shaken by this, but still resolute to face it anyway. I agree with both those. I think Kylo is my go-to because he's my new best friend. (laughs) Right. I love him so much. He's so dear. You know how I can tell he's your new best friend? Why? You haven't talked about Norn slash Ecom this whole time. Well, because he's not doing anything. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was going to save this for, I don't know, a later episode, but we'll Uh briefly talk about it now. I don't think that I love Yang as a writer. I don't think he knows how to handle more than one like good character at once. So what I've noticed, Mm. I'm using good very subjectively. So Sokka has been just not Sokka-like. And at first I attributed that to Jack DeSena's contribution to Sokka and how it's all his delivery and all of that. But now that Norrin or Ikum is just like there, he's not being anything other than a two-line dialogue to move things along. Yeah. That's all he's been. And now we have this new character showing up in the form of Kylo. I think that may be an area of opportunity for the balancing of personalities is something that might need to be worked on a little bit. Mm, Because I can see that. We don't see too much of that in the animated series. And maybe that's because they're different writers working on different episodes and, you know, they're kind of being overseen by Brike. So there's criticisms and critiques going on there. I say all this and it doesn't really bother me all that much, though, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. It's all like it works. It flows really well. It's cool. They're using the pages that they have very strategically to help move the story along. Because if they had Norrin being Norrin, then that might detract from the overall story. So I get it. But... 
they do definitely kind of like focus on their main cast and all other characters are just there to let you know that they're still alive. And that's about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Supporting from the background. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's surprising that Norn is a good dad and he's very supportive and he tries to like bridge this gap between his daughter mm-hmm. and his wife's old new face or new old face. <laughs> I don't know yeah. which way it goes. Old life. You know, right? So... Because for him, this is what he's always wanted. And I think he's kind of realizing that what he's always wanted has a downfall that he didn't expect. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's Kylo. I think he's the anti-Zuko, where Zuko kept Mm -hmm. on making the wrong decisions. Kylo keeps on making the right decisions. (laughs) Yes, they even look a little bit similar. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, so... For me, for sure. And I do want to echo that shout out to Ursa because that's very brave of her to just, even though she's a little reluctant, you would expect that she's doing it. She's not running away. She's there. Mm-hmm. So, And she's taking it on herself. She's like, everyone keeps checking with her. Like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Oh yeah, I'm just tired. Yeah. When inside she's like, I'm going to die. Yep. I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I want to curl up into a small ball and roll away down a hill. Never yep. to return. Yeah. Yep. What is your moral of the issue? This one's tough. It is tough. And I think that's why I kind of went in a silly direction, which is like, always be ready for double crossing. That's fair. Because <laughs> everyone was double crossing everyone. That is fair. Always <laughs> keep an eye on your back. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I think for me, I don't have like a succinct way to put this, but I think one of the lessons, morals, one of the things that they really bring into light here is just that there are more than one side to a story and that Mm. I feel like this is kind of actually saying that people are not generally bad. I feel like they're trying to show everyone's side of the story. There's no true villain. Even Ukano, who is like the leader of the evil society of New Ozai, I'm not still entirely convinced that he's evil for the sake of being evil. He has these Mm -hmm. ulterior motives of he wants his life back. He was very happy in his life and he perceived his family to be very happy in this life besides his moody teenage daughter. But She's mm-hmm. a moody teenage daughter, so she's going to be like that. And he's trying to bring things back to that place the only way that he knows how. Yeah. And he's wrongfully putting the blame on Zuko for this because, I mean, let's face it, Okano chose the wrong side of history. Mm-hmm. So for me, he's a man trying to make sense out of something that to him seems nonsensical, but is entirely, it just makes sense. It's just like, yeah, you were on the bad guy's team, but he didn't yeah. view the bad guys as being bad guys. Okay, I'm going to stop ranting. <laughs> Yeah, it's just another reminder that the world and people are just many shades of gray. Yeah, for sure. Except Ozai. Except Ozai. He's the one person who is like just evil. Yes. Ozai, <laughs> evil period. Sozin and Azulon. Just yep. Azulon, I'm still not Bad entirely eggs. convinced. I think Azulon out of the three of them is the most redeemable. Yeah, probably because he wasn't put in a position to destroy the world <laughs> like the other. That's fair. He, he also, <laughs> I still like the fact that he stood up for Iroh. Still like yeah. resonates with me. Maybe it's because I love Iroh so much. I don't know. But he had no real reason to be like, yeah, don't kill your brother. Because Iroh looked weak to the rest of the Fire Nation because mm-hmm. he lost his son, because he couldn't, you know, right? But anyways, mm-hmm. because he doesn't have a living heir. So that would have actually benefited Azulon to kill Iroh or circumvent that whole thing. Anyway, we talked about that. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. we're done. That's the episode. <laughs> the end. The end for real. Everyone, again, thank you so, so much for tuning in, for hanging out with us, for reading all these wonderful comics. We super appreciate everyone who stuck around. Even if you're not reading and you're just listening, amazing. We do recommend you pick up the books. Check your local library. You can probably get them there for free. Mm -hmm. If not, they can probably help you out. 
They are on Kindle, it looked like, for fairly cheap as well. So the art alone is just, I think, worth it. Yeah. Also, thank all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash avatar the podcast. We had, I think, one of our most fun secret podcasts yet. Oh my God, yes. Acorn got to pick it and it was so Uh, good. It was so much fun. I think I'm going to pick the next one. I just got to figure out who I want to pick. Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be so good. We have so much fun on there. We appreciate everyone who supports us, no matter if it's leaving a five-star written review, if it's leaving a five-star rating on Spotify, if it's going to patreon.com slash after the podcast, if it's emailing us at after the podcast at gmail.com, if it's finding us over on Twitter at podcast avatar, doesn't matter. If it's purchasing the pins, doesn't matter. We appreciate all of you, even if you're just listening. Even if you listen and you don't leave a review, you don't do any of that stuff, and you just like the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for lending us your ears. Thank you. We sincerely mean that. And I know we say this every week, but truly, we would not still be doing this if it were not for all of you. So we appreciate everyone welcoming us into the Avatar The Last Airbender community with, I'm going to say 98%, no, 99.8% open arms. <laughs> yeah. Have- Thank you all. Thank you. And as a reminder, if you've caught up on all the episodes or just need a little break from listening, you can join me over at twitch.tv slash Greg on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've been playing a lot of morality-based games lately, I feel like now, where we played all of Dishonored and now we're into Prey and we're just being bad guys, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's just good to just like, you know, go through that world. We like to talk, like to hang out. So many other people have joined us as well. So come on down. Hang out. I'm also on Twitter. Some people found me on Instagram, which I don't know why, because my Instagram's dead. But there's cute pictures of my dogs there. So if you want to go over there, you can. (laughs) Ignore the dust. Yeah, ignore the dust, please. And um, yeah, I hope to see you all or some more of you on Twitch. You can find me online at Acorn Bandit pretty much everywhere. Except for pin-related stuff, which is also Instagram. You can find me there at Joyson Studio. That's J-O-I-S-A-N-S dot com. You can also find me with Joyce on Studio in your search on Etsy as well. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are listening to this shortly after the episode is released, the Etsy store is going to be going down on vacation for a little bit while we kind of take a look at everything. So we'll be back up in a couple months, I think, hopefully with a new pin and some new things to share. Yeah. Coming up next time. Smoke and Shadow Part 2. That's right. So we'll see you then on Avatar Avatar, the the podcast. Podcast. Avatar the podcast is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 